Well, praise the Lord. Can you put your hands together? Praise the Lord. God is so good. Thank you so much. There's something about loving on others and giving yourself away that gives you energy back. It's just a really interesting thing. And uh, that video, just there's so much involved in that video. We had a chance to love on people who were going through really hard times. You ever been through a hard time? You just need to be reminded of God's love, that God sees you, God hears you. That's what, that's what was happening. I love those moments where we got to pray with people at their doorstep. Wasn't that beautiful? Uh, seeing our people just pray with, with uh, these strangers and loving on them. And they, they were so grateful for, for all, every box meant something. And, and it's just beautiful. Um, you saw me playing basketball out there with, with Austin. And, and we started playing with these kids. And, and, um, and I, I heard them talking to each other. And I, I, re- I recognized that's not, that's not Spanish. They're, they're speaking another language. So uh, while we, it's really weird how when you play basketball with someone, you bond with them. And there was like, well, I was bonding with these young men. And uh, I don't know, they were 10, 12, whatever it was. And uh, I'm playing basketball with them. And, I'm, I, and right before I, I you know, give the ball back to them, I ask him, what language are you speaking? And he says, Farsi. And these were kids from Afghanistan. They've been, they were refugees. They've been there for six months, and we were playing basketball with them and giving food to their families as well. So uh, I, I love the fact that our God is a multicolored God, multiracial God. I believe heaven, I mean, every church should be the best slice of heaven because everybody needs the grace of God and there should be every type of person in every church uh, because we, we all need the grace of God. But uh, it, it, really, it really is an amazing thing. We had so many people do different things. We have one person lives in, in Highlands uh, Ranch and, and drove all the way from Highlands Ranch to be a part and to volunteer and to serve and to help move boxes and other things. We had another guy who, he works at a hospital and he stayed late every, every day he was there. In fact, so late, um, many times he was the last one in the U-Haul truck with a broom sweeping out the U-Haul truck and just had an amazing, amazing attitude. We have a brand new couple. They've only been to Thorn Creek twice and she showed up at the Renaissance, which was on Sunday, and she walked and delivered boxes and prayed with people. Only been at Thorn Creek two times. And I love the fact that this couple just jumped right in. She jumped right in. And it's beautiful. There's so many people like that who gave their time and energy. And, and I love Monica. You know, Monica was there in the wheelchair, and there she was sitting at the table, passing boxes along. Uh, she wasn't able to stand, but that didn't stop her from serving God. The leaders are servants. Great people are servants. That's what Jesus did. He served others. It's incredibly powerful. If you peel back, if you peel back these volunteers who served, people who had busy lives, we all have busy lives. People, if you just peel back who they are inside, you'll see this attitude of gratitude. You'll see it inside of them. And there's something that's fueling them to say, I want to give. I want to love on someone. There's something inside of them. They feel like they're in debt to God. They want other people to know God's love. And and they they do that. You know, what what if there was a way to increase your level of happiness? Would you be interested in that? What if, what if you could reduce your depression? Right now at church, I'm going to give you something that could reduce depression. Are you open to that? Is that something you might be open to? Or how about increase your self-esteem? Or how about lower your blood pressure? 
Anybody need to lower, do you lower your blood pressure? Or strengthen your immune system. That's kind of important nowadays, isn't it? Or how about lower your stress? Or do any of those things sound appealing? What if you didn't have to take a pill for it in the morning or at night? I'm going to give you something during this service that will help you with all of that. Would you want it? Is that something that's attractive? The title of this, uh, this message is called, It's an Attitude. And here's what, what I believe God wants you to hear this. Here it is. God wants you to have an attitude of gratitude. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, better listen up. Can you do that? Just tell them, better listen up. Uh, better t- tell, them, better, tell them this message is for you. <clears throat> Uh, Robert Emmons, he's a scientific expert on gratitude. This is not a believer as far as I'm aware of. He's a, he's, he, uh, he did the study on gratitude, and he discovered this, that those who have an attitude of gratitude, it's good for their bodies, their minds, and relationships. They have stronger immune systems. They're less bothered by aches and pains. If you see someone walking around with aches and pains, you just need to tell them, you better be thanking God more. You know, you can tell them that. Uh, Lower blood pressure. These people have attitudes of gratitude. They exercise more and take better care of their health. They have that desire. They sleep longer and feel more refreshed when walking. Anybody need to sleep longer? You need to do that? They have higher levels of positive emotions They're more alert, alive, and awake. They have more joy and pleasure. They're more optimistic and happy. They're more helpful, generous, and compassionate. And listen to this, they're more forgiving. They don't carry grudges. And they feel less lonely and isolated. How is it that an attitude can affect your life so much? You know, God knows what we need. God knows what we need. When you see this, I want to add another value to this. Those people who have this attitude of gratitude, they also experience the will of God in their life. They also hear God speak to them. They see life differently, and it's, it, it changes everything Um, I want to give you a definition of thankfulness. It says this, to show oneself grateful, to be thankful, to give thanks. That's what thankfulness, show oneself grateful, to be thankful, and to give thanks. Now, there's a different type of gratitude that the Bible talks about. A lot of us think that, you know, being grateful is just saying thank you occasionally. You know, some of you, maybe you haven't said thank you in a long time. (laughs) That's a powerful word. But just saying thank you is a great thing. It's very important and it's good in relationships. Shows the other person you're grateful. But there's an attitude that the Bible talks about that is unique from anyone else. Because you can make an argument that, well, what about the person who doesn't know Christ? They could be grateful as well. Absolutely. They can totally be grateful. But the person who walks with God has a different kind of gratitude. There is an awareness in their life. And I, I put this together. I hope it helps you. Here's, here's what I would say is a biblically accurate uh, definition of thanksgiving. Thankfulness is the capacity to recognize the goodness of God in your everyday life. And the desire to worship the source of this goodness because he is intrinsically good. So being grateful 
If you want to live a, a God-honoring life and you want to experience God's will for your life, then the person who really recognizes the details, the small things in their daily, ordinary life, and they recognize this is the goodness of God. At the Renaissance, we were delivering on Sunday. The Lord gave us beautiful weather. I didn't take that for granted. That wasn't luck. I recognize God is just smiling on us and blessing us with great weather. Glory to God. It's the little things that you look at. I got a great parking spot at Chipotle the other day, and I'm like, thank you, God, for your goodness. You might laugh at me, but I have learned to recognize the goodness of God in my life. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've recognized the goodness of God in the details of your life. That's what sets you apart. You see your life and you recognize, you know what? We got a discount when I bought this shirt and that helped us out. My brother helped me with my car. My friend helped me give me a ride. Whatever it is, these little things, like God is just taking care of us. Do you recognize the details, the good God in your life? All the small things. But it goes one step further. You worship the source. The God who is good. And he is good. And that's why he does good. He's a good God. Now, we live in a fallen world. I get it. We live in a world marred by sin. But we have a God of grace and mercy and justice that watches all of us. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You recognize that need was met. You recognize that timing was perfect. You recognize you didn't have to worry. Hello. You recognize how you were protected all along. You recognize how the desire of your heart had been met. You recognize how those circumstances all work together in harmony and you didn't have to fret over it at all. And you worship the source because you recognize he is good and he does good things. That's an attitude of gratitude. I think about Bartimaeus I talked about earlier in Luke chapter 18. I want to read a little bit about him because it's fascinating. It says, as Jesus approached Jericho, this is Luke chapter 18, Verse 35, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. And they told him that Jesus, the Nazarene, was going by. So he began shouting, and what did he shout, church? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Say, have mercy on me like you need mercy. Can you do that? Say, have mercy on me. Some of you know, you're like shouting, I need mercy. Others of you, you didn't even shout. You know, just, you're, just, you're still under construction like all of us. But when someone is desperate, they don't care what other people think. When someone's desperate, they don't care what other people think. They'll grab a cardboard and write something on it and stand on a corner if they're desperate enough. They'll sleep in a car. They don't care. When someone is desperate, have you been just desperate Maybe you're like, okay, you know what? We need to go to church. We're desperate. We need, you know what? We need to pray before we go to bed. We're desperate now. We're desperate. I pray, I pray there's always a moment where you have desperation in your soul every week. If you don't have desperation in your soul, you won't really be crying out to God. If you don't have desperation, You'll start feeling like you're self-sufficient and you don't need anyone else and you don't, need, you don't need God to intervene in your life. God, I've got it under control. I don't need you. That's not desperation. Desperation is, God, you're the only one that can save me. I'm a sinful man in need of your grace. 
You're the only one who can deliver me. You're the only one that can give me life. That's desperation. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And verse, verse 39, Jesus says, or the people say, be quiet. The people in front of yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. See, he didn't care what other people thought. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? You ever think Jesus just has really, you know, questions that are like, seriously? I don't, I don't think it's a great smart question, Jesus. The guy's blind. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? I think we can go to, we can go to, to uh, through life. And we can go through problems, whether it's financial, emotional, whatever it is. We have our relational problems, friendship problems. And, and, and most of the time, we focus on the problem. <clears throat> and Jesus is, many times what he says is, you know what? I can take care of that little problem, but I can do way more than you can imagine. I can do way more than you can imagine. The biggest problem in your life may not be a financial problem. It may not be a relational problem. The biggest problem in your life may not be an addiction problem. The biggest problem in your life may not be the line is long and your drink is cold. (laughs) There may be a way bigger problem involving your soul. And the Lord wants you to cry out to him and say, God, I need you. God, I need you to work inside of me. I need you to do that. And, And most of us, we could be oblivious to the biggest problem we have. And Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, Lord, he said, I want to see. I think that's pretty legit, don't you? I mean, if you're blind, don't you think that would be the, your priority, the greatest prayer, the biggest ask is, I just want to see. And we don't know how long he's been blind, but for us, I mean, if, 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 if you walk into a room and the lights are off and they stay off, too long, you get a little nervous maybe, right? You're like, okay, if it's an unfamiliar room and you're wondering where's the light switch, you know, you ever walk into a room and the motion sensor doesn't turn on like a bathroom and you're like doing this number and stuff and you got to go to the bathroom and say, I cannot keep doing this, I turn on, you know, and there's something inside of you or walking down a dark, dark road with no light. Well, I can get Bartimaeus. Lord, I want to see. Isn't that, maybe that's your prayer request. Maybe that's what you want God to do. Maybe you're spiritually blind. And maybe God wants to give you sight. Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it, praise God too. Leaves everything, just follows Jesus. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. He's walking with Jesus now, and that's where he's at. He, he's, he's living like that. But there's something, there's another story. It's really interesting, this story you, we read about is in Luke chapter 18. Because if you turn the page, and you go backwards to Luke chapter 17, you see another situation with a group of people that have been touched by Jesus. But these guys, when they've been touched by Jesus, they don't respond like Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, he, he leaves everything and he follows Jesus and he's like, this guy gave me sight and now I'm going to follow him. But when you look at chapter 17, you see another story. Chapter 17, verse 11. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And he entered a village there. Ten men with leprosy stood at a distance. 
crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So leprosy is this terrible and infectious disease that causes severe disfiguring of skin and sores, and you could even lose your limbs, arms, legs, whatever, and it's a horrible, horrible disease. There's no cure. And so there's these 10 lepers that are shouting, Jesus, have mercy on us. It's interesting, Jesus has a reputation for healing. And these people like Bartimaeus and these lepers hear about Jesus coming into the neighborhood and they're crying out, have mercy on us. Verse 14 says, he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. This is a beautiful verse because this verse, if you look at it closely, Jesus never touches them. He never touches them. He sees them from a distance and he says, go show yourselves to the priests. So you have these 10 lepers that are, you know, Jesus, son of man, have mercy on us. And they're walking and he says, you know, go show yourselves. And scripture says, as they went. Can you say those words with me? As they went. One more time. As they went. Did you see that? They were cleansed. As they went. You know what that tells me? When they first started going, they still had leprosy. And I don't know how many steps it took. But as they went, they were cleansed. Do you see that? Do you recognize there's some obedience here that you can see? And it's an incredible principle. Here it is. Your miracle happens when you walk in obedience. Your miracle happens when you walk in obedience. Sometimes God says, you first. Sometimes God says, you go first. And sometimes our human nature says, God, I need you to do this right here, right now. I need you to move right now. I need you to, and if you're a good God, you've been, and you know what God says? I want you to walk first. Every step requires obedience. And it's as they walked, they were cleansed. See, your obedience matters to God. Your obedience matters to God. Some of you just need perseverance. You're really good at asking, but you're not good at enduring. <laughs> you're really good at saying, I'll go one time, I'm desperate. But to stick to it, that requires a whole different set of muscles. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. As you walk, when you, when you move, God moves. That's how it happens sometimes. Sometimes God, he moves instantaneous, and that happens sometimes. But other times, God says, I want you to walk by faith. And I want you to keep walking by faith, even though it seems like I'm not working. I want you to walk by, my, by faith, even when it doesn't make sense. I want you to walk by faith, even though. Even though. As they went, they were cleansed. As they went. And verse 15 says, one of them, say one of them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. I have this picture of, you know, them walking and one of them looking at him and going, oh, praise God, praise God. I, mean, I just have this picture of this one guy running, one guy. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done this man was a Samaritan, important part of the story. These are half-breeds. 
Remember the woman at the well? Verse 17 says, Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this, this, this foreigner? When I look at this, so there's 10 guys. One of them recognizes he's been healed. One of them recognizes a miracle has taken place. One of them turns and bolts after Jesus and is like, praise God, praise God, praise God. What about the other nine? Well, if you do the math, what, what, what are we talking about? What percentage returned to come back to Jesus to thank him? What percentage? 10%. What percentage said, you know what, we're just going to keep going forward and we're just happy we got what we wanted? What percentage? 90%. I wonder if that's true in the economy of God. I wonder if 90% of humanity just takes the good of God. And 10% say, oh, we have a good God and I'm going to worship God for who he is. I just wonder. It's not in scripture anywhere, but I just, I just wonder. And I wonder about these nine, the 90% that kept walking. I wonder if they ever returned to give praise to Jesus. Or were they more concerned about their miracle and being cleansed than they were about the miracle giver? What were they more grateful for? That they on a personal level experienced a miracle or they had a chance to be with a miracle giver? Which one were they more enamored with? The blessing or the blesser? Which one did they love more? Which one did they love more? I had some food. You know, if you're like me in our refrigerator when we were, we had beautiful friends uh, come over our, our house and we spent Thanksgiving together and, and we actually had to do, cook two turkeys this year. And uh, what a blessing we get to cook turkeys. And, you know, just relationships is a blessing. And um, <clears throat> I had to clean out some stuff in my refrigerator. And have you ever looked like in, on the third shelf in your refrigerator and there's something in the very back in some sort of plastic or something and you pull it out and you're like, I don't even remember where this thing was from. You know what I mean? And you're like looking at it and you're afraid to open it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like this thing has been in our refrigerator for I don't know how long. And you almost open it up like really carefully. Like the king's going to jump out or something. I don't know. <laughs> you open it up right really. You're like, what is going on? You know, how old is this? And then it, you might say, hey, smell this. Tell me if it's good. <laughs> or, hey, take a bite. Tell me if it's good. It's been there. So there's something. There's this expiration thing that happens with food, isn't there? There's this expiration. Have you ever thrown away good food? Like you thought, I can't believe I forgot about this steak in my refrigerator. I can't believe I left crawfish etouffee in my refrigerator. I can't believe I forgot about it. And it's past due and it now smells. I think about these 10 lepers that walked away and they should have turned back and they should have all came back to Jesus. Jesus said, where are the other nine? Only this Samaritan is here. 
Where are the other nine? And they kept going on in their life. We don't know anything about them. They just kept going on with their life, just focusing on their life and themselves and keeping the HOA happy and working and taking care of the kids. I mean, that's all they did. They just went forward in their life. And little by little, little by little, something happened. I think when we don't turn back and we don't automatically, immediately, instantaneously go back to the miracle giver, we go back to the Son of God, we go back to fall on the feet of Jesus and we say, we worship you, I worship you, thank you for doing this. If you choose not to do that, I believe your praise can go cold. Your praise can go cold. Some of you, let me put it this way, some of you, your praise is past due. Your praise is past you. God has done miracles in your life and you continued going forward believing, maybe just looking at yourself, maybe taking it for granted, maybe taking it for granted. Look what Jesus tells this one leper. He says, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. It's really, there's this requirement within us that God always honors and it's called faith. You need faith to walk with God. You need faith to please God. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It requires faith for us to come to church and worship an invisible God. We can feel him, but we can't see him, right? We see evidence of God everywhere. We look at the mountains and we look at a creation. There's evidence of God everywhere, but it requires faith, doesn't it? To walk with God. It requires faith. Would you have come back? Would you have been part of the 90% or 10%? What would you have done? What would you have done? Now, here's our problem, I believe. I thought about this for a little bit, and I thought, why didn't the 90% come back? Why just the one Samaritan? Well, what about us? What about us that, that goes against this attitude of gratitude that recognizes the goodness of God in our life? What's inside of us? And here's the thing I believe is from the Lord. Here it is. The single greatest attitude that competes with gratitude is self-entitlement. Self-entitlement. Self-entitlement says this, you owe me. That's what self-entitlement says. You owe me. God, you owe me. Parents, you owe me. Kids, you owe me. Brother, you owe me. Sister, you owe me. Boss, you owe me. Friend, you owe me. Ex, you owe me. Teacher, you owe me. Everybody owes you. Here's what, just in case you're wondering, if you have a spirit of self-entitlement, here's some things that you might look at. You live like the whole world owes you. You believe in privileges you didn't earn. You don't easily recognize the needs of others. People can be in need around you and you don't see it. You talk about yourself more than you talk about others. You come first, others come second. That's the way it is. You don't recognize the magnitude of the gift. That's a big one. Somebody gives you a gift and you're enjoying the gift and you don't recognize the size of that gift. You don't recognize the sacrifice. You don't see it. 
You're oblivious to how your requests inconvenience others. You're oblivious to it. How other people sacrifice and how they bend over backwards and forwards in every other direction to love on you and you're oblivious to it. You might be self-entitled. You have no problem using others. No problem at all. You're always on the highlight reel. Everyone else is a supporting cast member. You're on the highlight reel all the time. All the time. You have, oh, this is such a big one, guys. You have a sense of superiority. You feel like you're just a little bit better, a little bit smarter than others. You're just a little bit better, a little bit smarter. And you're ready to show everyone how smart you are. Others can see that sense of superiority in you. They can see it. They can see it. Uh, let me just say something, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to those of you who are, are teenagers, and you might be watching, or even college students. When you get really old, like past 40, really old, when you get really old, there are certain things that might take a little bit longer. I was at a coffee shop during the week, and um, I... I became addicted to coffee about 15 years ago or so. But I was there, and there was this mom. I could assume it was mom. And she was working the, the, the computer little thing where you slide your card. And the daughter was right by her. I was, they looked similar, and they were like similar height, and they had similar features, so I assumed it was daughter. And she was probably in high school, I guess, or something like that. And I could tell... Mom was struggling with her credit card, like to insert it or tap it or slide it, you know, this kind of thing. She was struggling with it. And the daughter was, was like looking over her, ready to pounce to tell her how to do it. Like ready to tell her, this is how you do it. But it was a different kind of feel. She was ready to do it in such a way so that mom would feel like she was less than bright. You know what I'm talking about? So... Don't do that. Don't do that. One day you're going to be the older one. And remember how your parents have loved on you and cared for you and the sacrifices they have given for you and the errands they have run for you and no telling how many places they've gone for you because they have loved you over and over and over again. Parents, can you just say amen to that? You know what I'm talking about? Research has shown this. Dr. Robert Emmons said this, research has shown that people who are ungrateful tend to have a sense of excessive self-importance, arrogance, vanity, and a high need for admiration and approval. They have a high need to be admired. They have a high excessive sense of self-importance. They're very important. They're very important. Social media doesn't help us. Social media doesn't help us at all. There used to be a day and age where your influence would rise because of what you have accomplished. There used to be a day and age when your influence in whatever industry it may, might be would actually rise because of things that you have accomplished. We live in a day and age now with social media where you could be a huge influencer and never have accomplished anything other than create great videos. 
You know what I'm talking about? You haven't accomplished anything. You just have created some really cool videos. And you're an influencer. So we live in a day and age now where you could be a high influence person and you haven't done anything. And you believe, you believe that you are self-important and you just deserve it. You've got to be careful. That's the day and age we live in right now. That's the day and age we live in. I, I, I thought about it. There was an interview with Michael Jordan and he was talking about how much people get paid. And in the interview, Michael Jordan said, there was a day and age when you actually had to perform well on the basketball court. And after you perform well on the basketball court, then you got the high salary. That's what he was saying. He said, but now, now you don't need to perform well anymore. All you need to do is have a good image and you'll get the high salary. So you'll get the high salary before you've proven anything. That's the day and age we live in. It's, it's, totally, it's totally backwards now. Um, someone said this, if you deserve everything, if you're entitled to everything, it makes it a lot harder to be grateful for anything. Isn't that true? If you deserve everything and you're entitled to everything, it makes it a lot harder to be grateful for anything. Are you self-entitled? Do you believe you just, I mean, they just owe you? You just deserve it? I mean, do you really believe, are, are you self-entitled right now? It's interesting, our sinful nature says, you deserve it. And God says, be grateful. Be grateful. Be grateful. The 10 lepers were like, well, we deserve to be healed. But the one leper was like, I don't deserve to be healed. <laughs> this is a miracle, and I'm going to go back, and I'm going to worship Jesus. How do you get there? How do you live a better life? All right, here's, here it is. Here comes the, the biblical pill I want to give you right now. If you swallow this pill, you're going to be happier. You're going to have a stronger immune system. You're, you're going to overcome depression. So many, so many good things come from this. Here it is. Here it is. Number one, grateful people are humble people. They're humble people. Romans chapter 12, Paul says, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Hello, measuring yourself by the faith God has given you. Be honest with yourself. Be honest. I was talking to another pastor out of Texas, and we were talking about how God has used him in Texas, and God is using him in a beautiful way. And I told him, I've now lived in Colorado officially longer than I've lived, ever lived in Texas. And I, I told him, every time I look in the mirror, I'm reminded of how God has used me and how humble I am because of that. But really, we were talking about my humility. I feel like I'm prideful about my humility. I gotta keep going. I'm not trying to say that. Number two is this, grateful people are content. Grateful people are content. They don't compare themselves with other people. They don't compare themselves with other people. They're just content. Sometimes I'm at the traffic light and I look over and I'm like, man, that's a nice Tesla. You know what I mean? You ever do that? Or maybe you're like, man, look at the tires on that truck. That, you know what I mean? That's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's something I have to work through. Uh, whatever it is, you're like, wow, look at the leather on those seats. That's so nice. All right. Wow, that car runs a lot quieter than mine. That's kind of nice. You know what I mean? Just don't compare yourselves. Paul said, 
in Philippians chapter 4, not that I ever was in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, whether plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Number three, grateful people don't take life for granted. Hello. David said in Psalm chapter 39, Lord, Remember me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire life is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Don't take life for granted. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you know someone who got sick. I gained a new new perspective on Psalm 39 about a year ago. Number four is this. Grateful people see everything they do with a divine purpose. It's grateful people. In Colossians, it says, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through God, through him to God the Father. Whatever you do or say. I love this story. Pastor Jeremy shared it with me. There's this person. I want to be careful. Um, and they needed help. And God has stirred Pastor Jeremy's heart to love on this person. And I want to make sure Pastor Jeremy gets credit for this because it wasn't me. It was him. And uh, we, we loved on this person and, and uh, helped buy them a car battery and just loved on them. We don't. I've, I've never even met this person. I mean, I, I don't. I don't. I don't even know who they are. But they they contacted Pastor Jeremy and, and said, "Hey, I need help moving now." And uh, <clears throat> and Pastor Jeremy went with someone at church to go help this person move. Now, I, I think Pastor Jeremy's love is so much greater than my love. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> I, I look at the way he loves, and I'm like, "Wow, I want to. I want to love too." Like that. So he goes and helps out. And, and there's a little part in me that's like, Jeremy, I don't know about this. You know what I'm talking about? That little part is like, I don't know about that. I'm just being totally honest with you right now. That little part in me that's like, you know, believe it or not, churches are taken advantage of. Believe it or not. Pastors are taken advantage of. Believe it or not. So he goes with this other person from Thorn Creek and loves on this person and prays for them and helps them move. And it takes up, I don't know, maybe half a day or something like that. And that wasn't on the schedule. It was a busy, it was a short week last week, very short for us. And he still did it. It took about half a day to do this. But he told me, he said, he said, hey, Reuben, while I was there inside, inside her house, there was a box and it came from one of our Feed 5,000 boxes. It was a box that we put together here at Thorn Creek Church. This person's never even stepped into Thorn Creek. And we had a box there in her house. And because she lived in that school district, she got a box, a Thanksgiving meal. And that just blew me away. Like, like, oh my word, she's being loved on and she doesn't even know it. She's being loved on from this church and she doesn't even know it. She doesn't realize that we are the ones who are behind that whole, she has no clue. And then my next thought was, wow, look at how God is using Pastor Jeremy 
and this other brother. If he wouldn't have gone over that, over there, he never would have had that perspective of the goodness of God. See, it's as they went, they were healed. And when you walk in obedience to God, God will show you things that you never would have seen if you would have stayed still. God will show you things that you never would have seen if you would have just stayed still and said, I'm not going to walk by obedience or faith. But when you walk in obedience and faith, God shows you things. And it's almost like God's showing off and he's like, you see what I'm doing? You see what I'm doing? You know, that's why I feel like God is just showing off and saying, hey, let me show you what I'm doing. Let me show you. I'm including you now in what I'm doing behind the curtain. And when you walk by faith and obedience, God shows you that kind of stuff. Number five, I've got 42 of them. Number five is grateful people value relationships. They value relationships. Look at this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. There it is. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. Number six is this. Grateful people recognize the source of every good thing. I love 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. Can you be thankful in all circumstances? You're here breathing right now. Praise the Lord. God is with you. And number seven, and this is the last one, grateful people say thank you. Grateful people say thank you. Grateful people say thank you. When was the last time you've said thank you? Not at Chick-fil-A or anything like that. I mean, you know, when was the last time you just said thank you? Luke chapter 18, I love this. Instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus, praising God and all who saw it praised God too. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Um, I believe, <clears throat> I'm going to say this, guys. I've said this stat before. Adams County, 94% of Adams County is considered unchurched. 94% of Adams County don't see church as a valuable place to go to every weekend. Here's what I want to do, guys. Would you help me reach Adams County for Jesus? Not for me, not for us. But don't you want other people to experience life and peace that God offers? Don't you want other people to experience heaven? Would you just become a missionary? Would you become a missionary right where you live? Maybe it's in your neighborhood. Maybe it starts with your neighbor. Maybe it starts at school or where you work at. Would you help? Would you help us do this? We can be that church. This world needs to see Jesus Christ. They need, it needs to see the church alive. It needs to see authentic lives, genuine lives that are walking by faith, real lives that talk about doubt and pain and hurt and fear and worry and they still choose to walk with Jesus and they still choose to walk by faith. 
This world needs to see those kinds of people. So help, would you? Well, God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. And um, I want to give you an opportunity. If you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, here's your chance. Right where you're at, you can say this prayer. Just say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me for my sins. Oh, if that's your desire, say it like you mean it. Forgive me for my sins. Right now, I choose to become a Christian. Maybe you need to turn back to God. Maybe you need to turn back to Jesus. Maybe you just drifted. And maybe you need to say this, Jesus, I want to come back to you. I've made a mess of my life and I, I need you. And I cry out to you like Bartimaeus, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. God, would you move in all of our hearts, God? I pray against a spirit of self-entitlement. I know it's just a lie from the devil. And I thank you, God. I'm so grateful that we're loved by you. And we're beautiful under your eyes. And we're your children. And our souls belong to you. So God, thank you. Thank you for your grace. We're grateful. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.